Welcome back to the Nutanix Community Podcast with Dwayne Lesnar and Angelo Luciani. Let's get started. This week on the podcast, I chat with Jim Delapena, who is Director of Strategy and Product Management at One Neck IT Solutions, along with Kong Yang and Sachin Cheda, both colleagues of mine here at Nutanix. We dive deep into the world of service providers and have some interesting stats to share. So with that, let's join the conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Jim, Kong, and Sachin. Good to have all three of you here today. How are you all? Doing, Doing well, great. Angelo. Good, thank you. Good, good. Sachin, you 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 have to be like a five-time um, podcast guest, so that's great. Uh, I think this is Kong's first time, I think, on the podcast. Is that right? That's correct, Angelo. Happy yeah. to be Or we can call it the pod, whatever. I mean, I think the pod sounds a little cooler, so maybe we'll call it the pod. And Jim, welcome. Good to have you here as well. Thank you. Uh, so today's topic is about service providers. And we have Jim from One Neck here. And Jim, maybe you could, before we, we get into the discussion, maybe you could just share a little bit of the history of uh, One Neck, um, how that came to be, where you sort of operate, and um, generally what services you provide. Yeah, I'd be glad to. So OneNeck is a hybrid IT solutions provider. We were purpose-built this way uh, through acquisitions that included VARs, managed service providers, cloud service providers, data center providers, with the real goal of offering flexibility of choice to our clients around their IT needs. Uh, we found that this, this journey started seven to 10 years ago, and we found that the market has changed to support the efforts that we're really trying to accomplish with our clients. We're predominantly a Midwest company, although we operate all over North America. Uh, if you wanted to put a line through our offices, kind of Minneapolis through Phoenix, that direct line between there covers our core geographies with significant presence in California, Texas, and, and a little bit on the East Coast. Great, good There's, stuff. I was just going to say the services that we we provide as you look at it are really everything from our own hosted private cloud model, Azure from a hyperscale public cloud model, reselling of, of major solution providers, and then also managed services and day, day two services from infrastructure all the way through the application. So a complete portfolio. <laughs> That's great. I, I wish it was totally complete, but as complete as we can get it at this point. Yeah, great, great. So uh, let's get let's get into it and uh, and our talk about service providers. I thought we'd start with Sachin. Maybe he could give us a, a definition of what a service provider is. Maybe sort of level set for for our audience um, and give a general uh, definition of it. Sachin. Yeah, thanks, uh, Angelo. I'm actually going to take this down a different path. I'm going to actually talk through this like a 101, 201, and a 401 or 501 level um, kind of discussion. So 101, service provider, anyone that's delivering IT as a service. Right? So this is an organization that's in the business of IT, like one neck, right? The 301 definition, if I were to look at it, um, would be tied back to uh, delivering a, a, a service that is unique, that's differentiated, uh, where they're taking into account the full stack, um, right? So they're looking at uh, essentially delivering, combining various different components of a stack, whether it's on the infrastructure side, the application side, et cetera. 
And then if I were to go down the 501 level, I would basically say that we're talking about a service provider delivering either a managed service, which is essentially uh, a service that delivers an end-to-end scenario for either infrastructure or an application or a network service, um, or a cloud service provider that's delivering essentially uh, a scalable uh, uh, service like uh, desktop as a service or PaaS platform as a service, um, either on some sort of dedicated or shared infrastructure, right, of that sort. So taking the academic route here, Angelo. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So as we sort of continue on that that discussion, where do service providers fit into the multi-hybrid cloud computing model, Sachin? Um, so Angelo, this is a, it's a great point, right? So when people think about service providers, they typically see them as a unique, separate kind of area of investment, a separate part from an IT perspective. And that's because typically when you hear about service providers, you quickly associate with these mega deals that mm. these large organizations do where they outsource everything yeah. to a, a system integrator and such. But to be honest, Service providers exist in every facet of uh, of uh, IT, right? So you have essentially service providers bridging the gap between an on-prem, self-managed, self-hosted world to this hundred uh, uh, percent, you know, outsource model that you that I just talked about with the system integrator, and so they they form this bridge here. And I would actually put hyperscalers into the same bucket as these service providers because they're the ones who are driving essentially a service, right? So uh, if you think about it, they are part of it. Um, I know that, Kong, you have some good stats on this, right, in terms of the adoption of service providers? Absolutely. And, the you know, when, when you think about adoption, it's all about successful business outcomes. That's That's why customers are looking at service providers to help them deliver these successful outcomes. And uh, in, in one IDC study, you know, from their SaaSview 2020 and an info brief that they've uh, just delivered on service providers. You know, they talk about how the hybrid services uh, market will grow to 51 billion, right, by 2024. And when you look at that, that that doesn't even include like the public cloud services, which will reach almost 20 billion, and private cloud services, which will reach 30 billion. And and why are these numbers so big? Well, you know. Business outcomes are driving it, but they're they're looking for you know to to optimize their their IT spend right to to deliver on good, and and this may include like scaling existing on premises application. You know, two thirds, almost two thirds of of um, of respondents enterprises who responded to IDC say that they're they're looking to scale existing applications from their on premises to public cloud IaaS. And as Sachin mentioned, public cloud IaaS includes not only the the hyperscalers, but service providers who provide public cloud IaaS, you know, and, and that definition is not ours. It's IDC's definition and taxonomy. So so just want to be clear about that. You know, that IDC, you know, defines, you know, public cloud IaaS providers as not only the hyperscalers, the public cloud providers, uh, cloud service providers, but hosting providers, um, managed cloud providers, you know, and, and telcos, 
Um, so, so they have a large definition that Sachin walked through, but I, I think it gets back to that, that singular point of successful business outcomes. And that's why the operating model is a hybrid multi-cloud one because it makes business sense. So to continue on with that, uh, maybe a question for Jim and Kong. Uh, I know our audience are wondering, and I know this because I asked them, why an organization would buy from a service provider when they can purchase from the hyperscalers? What are your thoughts? Well, Jim, let, let me uh, jump in on this, if you don't mind, sir, uh, first. So, so Angela, I, I mentioned business outcomes, right? And at the heart of business outcomes is finance and economics, right? And the thing about service providers is that, is that you know, there, there are studies out there that are showing that, that you get a better return on value, total cost of ownership from service providers versus public cloud. And, uh, we, we have an upcoming study from IDC that's going to showcase and, and, and highlight that. And, and why does it make better business sense? Another aspect is, is also the fact that service provider partners are trusted advisors, right? And, and they provide that, that extra, uh, service level, right? Because the one only guarantee in IT is something will break, right? Even public cloud providers, the hyperscalers like AWS, Azure, GCP are not immune to downtime, right? And in those downtimes, it does not make economic sense to get paid pennies on the dollar uh, for, for your systems being down because you, you're not able to conduct business, right? And, and that's where the value of service providers as trusted advisors within your region where you can reach out to and have a conversation and, and, you know, have a line of sight into when you will be up or, or what are the steps or, or, you know, and have those conversations at that level. That's the true value of, of a service provider as that trusted advisor. Jim? Oh, I've said quite a bit. I know you have your unique perspective, sir. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely tag on to, to what Kong, you have said, in that there are some financial advantages and then trust is a big advantage. I think what we've seen in the field is really the advantages we see are choice, uh, giving the client choice of where workloads should land, whether they should fit in a hyperscale public cloud, on a private cloud, or even on on-prem or a hosted private cloud. I think advice, so there is a gap on their expertise on where should I move things. And, and service providers tend to be able to provide that advice uh, to allow the client to make the right choice of where their workload should belong. And in some cases, across multiple different cloud platforms. Um, and the last one that we really do is provide support, both support in doing migration or professional services to move them to the cloud, support in doing application modernization to take advantage of the services that could be in the cloud. Again, whether that's hyperscaler or a hosted private Nutanix-based cloud. And then the last one, and I think Kong, you touched on this, it's that day two Support. How do you manage the infrastructure ongoing, whether that's day-to-day uptime and support, whether that's cost optimization and recommendations on where you should go in the future? So I think the service provider offers a lot of flexibility and support for a client as they're making that choice. 
and the ability to execute against that choice. And then hopefully long term, the ability to really take advantage and meet their business outcomes through that effort. Great. Uh, Kong, what does the data show on the most consumed managed services? Yeah, great question, Angelo. So so the most consumed managed services uh, mirror uh you know, consumption on public cloud, right? So about three quarters of, uh, you know, the services consumed with uh, your public cloud providers are uh, compute and storage services, right? You know, make no bones about it. it it's still that meat and potatoes, so to speak, uh, services. Now, that said, the other reasons why uh, folks are consuming managed services, you know, are, are things like, uh, data security, right? Is better than what they, they have. And it goes along the lines of why service providers are trusted partners, right? Uh, for, for their, their customers, because they, they might not have the in-house talent to, to, um, put forth that kind of data security, data platform, those data services, such that they meet the the compliance regulatory data sovereignty type issues that come along. Um, there's also uh, disaster recovery as a service, right? So so DR because in, instead of having just one site where your one site if it goes down you are down, you know uh, customers consume that managed service of disaster recovery because at the end of the day DR is fundamental towards business continuity and again business outcomes right so really want to be cognizant of, of this and there's a common theme Angelo it, it's all about the business and successful outcomes of the business and that includes like what what uh, we what we've seen and what what uh, analyst firms have seen the, the rise of um like EUC as a service, right? End user computers work from anywhere initiatives that are taking place uh, because many IT organizations were still in the the uh, physical game, right? Handing a, a corporate system to, to employees, but that doesn't work well um, given the pandemic, give, given uh, the fact that folks aren't going back into the office or they're doing only part-time in the office and people have started to work remote. They've moved away from some of these, uh, these uh, uh, city centers and so forth. And, and now, you know, they're leaning on service providers who have practiced leadership in and user computing to deliver these so that they don't have to go out and hire talent and build it themselves. Right. You know, and and that's that's the, that's what the data is showing, Angelo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Angelo. If I can chime in, uh, I have a different point of view, right? So the the question is, whether you know, what is the most frequent service? I would actually go back and ask a, 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 the question another way, maybe. You know, what is the service that IT organizations or organizations in general don't want to do themselves, and instead rely on a cloud or managed service provider partner. So first and foremost for me, it comes down to uh, desktop as a service. I think that's the big, big one, right? Um, pandemics changed the dynamic. Everyone knows that, right? But the whole concept of, of universal access uh, from wherever you are, whatever device you are, uh, requires either an organization to maintain their own VDI, but more often than not, they're just going to a service provider and say, please help solve this for me. 
right? And I'm, I'm hoping that's part of the discussion. Jim, maybe you can expand on later on, right? So that's one part of it. The second part of it comes down to access to different resources, I would say. Um, again, if I'm a, if I'm a, uh, you know, Jim, you mentioned you're in the Midwest here. So I'll take a, an example from the Midwest, right? If, I'm, if I am a manufacturing company that specializes in steel casting, et cetera, I may not have a desire to invest in IT, right? And in that case, uh, I think it comes down to a full managed package, right? Where where they're going to a managed service provider and saying, please come in and deal with all my business applications, whether it's ERP, whether it's providing um, access to compute, right? So the full, full enchilada, if I can use that term. Jim, what do you think about this? Yeah, I, I think it's been changing over time. Um, I would say 95% of our workloads had traditionally been IaaS, you know, kind of that infrastructure compute and storage base. Um, and a lot of that was driven by it was time to refresh from clients that we were seeing. And more and more, it's now moving into very specific use cases. To your point, um, desktop as a service is a very specific use case based on the, the pandemic that has been growing exponentially. Or it could be, as you look at some of the hyperscalers, uh, IoT and some of the stacks that they offer that allows quick access to those types of services. DR is another common one, which, again, is a good positive business outcome, whether it's moving your production to a cloud service provider and leaving your DR on-prem um, or using your, your service provider as your DR site. So we're starting to see more and more specifics we're seeing a lot of modernization of data. So database modernization is another one that we're coming into. We're also seeing a lot of people move for automation and even orchestration of some of their workloads where they, they may not be able to do some of the infrastructure as code or the ability to quickly automate and provision workloads. And they see some of the platforms offered by CSPs, whether it's on a hyperscaler or our own platform, the, the ability to enable that kind of functionality to enhance their business. And, and Jim, just to add to your piece, you you brought up a, a few things, automation, orchestration, infrastructure as code, you know, uh, to a lot of the audience, those are buzz worthy marketing words, right? Until you actually put it into practice, right? And, and I, I think what I've seen, not, not only in, in practice, but but also you know in conversations with industry friends and you know friends who are CTOs CIOs at at G two thousand companies are are the fact that you know you really have to have the skill set right in house to deliver that if if you want it successful and this is where service providers are that trusted partner right you know because because yeah if if I just want to automate and orchestrate code to spin up. Yeah, let me take a credit card and and let me go do some damage, right? And and I've seen many customers get you know five, six figure monthly bills, seven figure monthly bills that that come through that are in process that that their CFOs are like, how how did we get this bad? It's it's a science project. What are we doing with this much you know uh, technology, right? But it's when you apply it and, and are 
doing something with it. And, and I think that's the, the, the key aspect, doing something with it. And you need that service provider partner who you trust to help you customize it, right? Because, because yes, you may start out with a vanilla commodity solution that you can get in public cloud. But what I've seen is for you to be successful, right? See that business success. Every organization is different. They, they need, they value different things, right? You, you have different metrics that you are measured against. You, you have different, um, uh, objectives and goals and design decisions. All those considerations must be put into place. So, so the, the fact that you, you're, you're talking about those nuances, I, I think is key for our audience to understand that that's where service provider partners, you know, are also different amongst each other, right? Because you have different levels of practice leadership uh, from service provider to service provider. But at the same time, if you, you you handshake with the right service provider partner, that's where you can hit those home runs, right? And get those, you know, uh, those huge wins. Yeah. Hey, Kong, I sorry, I, I had one thing I had to point out. Uh, probably the most memorable thing for me out of this podcast is, What's the similarity between a teenager with a credit card and an IT uh, person with a credit card uh, accessing public cloud? Oh, they both are doing some big damage. <laughs> that that is the truth. We we see we call it cloud sprawl, especially in the hyperscaler world, right? Once you have access, it's it's pretty much wide open and without some level of control which a lot of service providers will provide some level to control that access. I think that's important. I think to your other piece on, on the automation and orchestration, it can be simple as provisioning a VM, right? I think one thing that people miss is you also have to maintain those things going forward. The, the advantage of some service providers is because we're maintaining large swaths of customers, we have uh, practice and operations practice in both building images and catalogs and providing those images and catalogs so that our clients can easily consume some of the automation that is really important. Um, and to your point, it, it, it's all over the board. What are you trying to accomplish? Who are you doing it? How are you leveraging controls? Um, and we see that difference across customers and quite honestly, across departments. Um, you know, a lot of departments now can spin up their own IT instances. I can tell you firsthand, there's at least three or four of my clients where a business unit spun up an instance that led to security issues um, directly with the client. So so control around some of the, the hyperscalers and the public clouds really does become an, an important aspect as you're really looking at this in, in terms of your overall IT landscape. So, Jim, can you talk about One Next journey in delivering services, leveraging the Nutanix platform? Yeah, I'd love to. So we're on our third version of a, a cloud offering. And as we moved into this third version, we really went into a software-defined cloud offering. We wanted to partner with someone who would provide a full suite of software services that would provide our customers choice. And as we started looking at Nutanix, there was a ton of value uh, within the Nutanix space. It could be as simple as uh, looking at Acropolis from a hypervisor and how that's bundled and integrated into the solution um, and also provide some cost savings against other hypervisor options. It could be the broader suite of solutions as we look at it on top of just the hyperscale compute and infrastructure. It's the 
files that we can offer file services to our clients. It's object storage where we can offer object storage to our clients. Going back to that orchestration and automation piece, it's Calm and the ability to leverage Calm to do that work, not only across our internal cloud platforms, but potentially their on-premise cloud platforms and even our hyperscale partners like Azure. Um, we're excited by uh, Nutanix clusters, the ability to ex expand seamlessly into other clouds. Uh, we're in the process of looking at Beam. Again, the, the offering to say, how do we do cost optimization and even security audits within uh, the broader op uh, cloud landscape to be able to provide value? So as we started this journey, it was, hey, let's find a good, deep, strong software provider that we could continue to expand our services out to the market based on their catalog that was open to integrations um, and really willing to partner in the service provider space to offer these kinds of solutions to our customers. In Nutanix, we found an incredible partner. Uh, we've also found an incredible suite of software that we can offers flexibility and choice to our clients. And we're seeing a ton of traction in, in how we can go to market with that. Great. And I know you, you folks have um, something called, I, I think it's pronounced Relia Cloud. Sorry. It's Relia Cloud. Yes. Yeah, so Relia Cloud is our branded product line for our hosted private cloud offering. And what Relia Cloud really is, is it's a Nutanix stack of software that we dedicate uh, dedicated compute and storage. So dedicated nodes to a client so they have their own resources and we support that environment with a bunch of shared services, whether that's shared backup services, whether that's shared files, shared object storage, DR, shared DR services that support that hosted private cloud. So as we look at what we're offering, we're not trying to offer another multi-tenant cloud, right? There's a lot of that opportunity and good hyperscale public cloud offerings to do there, we're looking to provide a, a more dedicated hosted private cloud to allow customers to consume the entire suite of services. We're actually looking at extending this hosted private cloud onto a customer prem so they can operationalize that, that private cloud based on Nutanix in their data center and maybe reach back to us for some of these shared services like DR like uh, objects or storage and like files. Great. Services. Yeah. That, that sounds like an exciting uh, service. Um, Kong, Sachin, any, any, anything else you'd like to add? I think we're, we're, we're going to wrap up here. Hey, yeah, Angelo, let me chime in. So to, we, we actually are excited to announce that we are going to be announcing our Nutanix service provider partner program. And we're, we're really happy to have partners such as uh, uh, the one neck, and with their Relia Cloud offering as a part of this, our customers will benefit from this because, again, it delivers the, uh, to them the, the value of choice. Um, we are also offering them technical workshops to make sense of how to take advantage of all these different offerings. So if you're a service provider, again, we have uh, workshops that help them understand how you know Nutanix's technologies and, and cloud services can fit in there own offering. And then if you're an end customer, we have, again, uh, workshops to help them, you know, take advantage of all these different services like Relia Cloud, right, to, to uh, uh, you know, go down this managed path or to go down this cloud path uh, with them. So we're excited about that. And that will be launching fairly soon. Great. 
Kong, anything else to add? Yes, Angela. You know, uh, to, to add on to the the knowledge, I would say that for our audience, start start with the business outcomes, right? Because many times in IT, we 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 get we fall in love with technology, technology constructs, and so forth. But without that business outcome as the purpose, right, to show success, to highlight success, you, you'll be out of business, right? And then you know, uh, so start with that. Uh, the next piece is that service providers and public cloud are not mutually exclusive. And what I mean by that is that you can operate in that model at the same time. You can consume from your trusted advisor, service provider partners like OneNeck and, and Jim and his team. And at the same time, be in AWS, be in Microsoft Azure and in GCP, because you have to be very smart about where you put your workload, right? You know, uh, Sachin likes uh, to talk about uh, cloud smart, right? It, and there's a lot of truth to that fact. Uh, uh, just knowing that you have to optimize uh, where your workload runs and understand that it is a hybrid multi-cloud operating role because of financial sense, right? We talked about the economics earlier and so forth. So so that piece. And then my very last nugget, Angelo, is that don't be afraid to ask for help, right? And st- a great starting point is service provider partners, right? And uh, because they can be your trusted advisor to, to for you to bounce architectural design questions with a business outcome at the end. Uh, plug for uh, service provider session at .next. Join us, uh, you know, um, at .next in September for our service provider sessions. Great. So, Jim, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Uh, Kong, Sachin, good, good having you guys back on the podcast. And catch us next week with our next episode. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.